This icon is racist. I've never ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank uh, The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Can you please come in? Good day and welcome to another edition of Sunday Times Politics Weekly with me, Amil Amrao. I'm in the studio today with my politics um, comrades, Kornita Hunter, Apiwa de Klerk, and Zimasa Matewane. Guys, thank you so much for joining me this week. Um, we're going to jump straight into it because we're, con- we're constrained on time. What we're going to talk about later in our election coverage is the health issue in South Africa. The NHI is going to be under debate, so we're going to have a very heated debate like we did last week about land, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure everybody has some very big views and some very controversial views about the NHI. I see Juanita smiling. She's getting ready to get into it. But first, let's talk about our front page at the, in the Sunday Times this past weekend. Aces, murky Ace. dealings. So this story deals mostly with a book uh, called uh, Gangster State, written by Peter Louis Mayberg. And it's basically a massive investigation into state capture in the free state, um, where Isma Gashule was premier before um, he was elected as secretary general of the ANC. Guys, what's your take on the story? Because we've seen a lot of ACES dealings uh, in the province. If I'm not mistaken, Juanita, he was the longest serving premier. Um, in the country's history in the free state and um, there's been so many allegations around ACE and the ANC statement after the article was quite telling um, basically attacking news outlets um, calling it fake news calling propaganda a lot of what the EFF does essentially and their wording Um, so what do we think about the story guys? So Ace Mahashule has been one of the longest serving ANC chairpersons, provincial ANC chairpersons. He he served in that position for 20 years. I remember in 2017, I went to speak to him and he couldn't remember how long he was serving as wow. ANC chairperson, right? And he um, obviously was kingmaker in the ANC in that province and also uh, whoever was premier served at his behest and then he became premier. And then uh, he was obviously a kingmaker in the ANC uh, uh, somewhat. Um, so there was always these like suspicions about him and his um, beginnings in the ANC and then later on into these sort of corrupt dealings um, and and in state capture especially the emails it kind of painted a picture of how how um, you know he worked and how mm. he operated um, and the Estina dairy farm um, debacle blew the lid on the murder operandi of how he worked and how he got people involved um, and since then, obviously, there's been this great uh, intrigue about his role in state capture. And so I think Peter Louis Mayberg's book uh, is quite fascinating. I just bought it and I've started reading it. But the, the, the articles in the Sunday Times and other media uh, uh, organizations really go, go to the heart of what it was. Basically, it's rampant looting, corruption, kickbacks, some murky gangsterism mm. stuff. They don't have shame. <laughs> no, 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 and and yes, 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 and and that's and and the and the basically the how emboldened he was mm. in all of these things. How blatant it all was as well, mm. because he did this thinking that he had absolute power and nothing could ever happen to him, and nothing ever did appear. Ish, um, <laughs> the, the 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 sad part is when you when you you go to the part about 
them arriving uh, at the uh, Gupta compound mm. and uh, one of the brothers allegedly uh, boasting about how uh, they can call any minister and uh, about how they have files mm. <laughs> on them and so on. It's, it, it's said uh, uh, how such a person uh, would then be elevated to such an important position uh, in the ANC. Um, he's uh, threatening to take legal action, uh, like many politicians always do. Uh, let's hope uh, he does. He does. Because mm. <laughs> it only helps journalism if he does. Yeah, if he does. Uh, let's see uh, if he if he, he he will stick to his word. But uh, I mean, when you have someone who was your your ally, sort of. Uh, coming out and and, and speaking out. Uh, 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 Manioni. Yeah, it, it, it sort of uh, assists uh, us as the public because we can say there's someone who's a witness. So uh, the state institution should, should act. I mean, uh, there's a person speaking. And uh, I mean, Free State is the only province uh, where we're sort of uh, getting in. Uh, to the issue of state capture, even with the Estina issue, right? Because mm. um, the other provinces we haven't had. Oh, northwest with Supra's administration, but it's just been that uh, mm. Free State seems seems that the, there was a little bit more. Uh, it's almost like Free State was ground zero for state capture sure. in many ways, mm. um, with the Free Dairy Farm, and and lots of that was at, came out at the state capture inquiry. But now we see so yeah. much more. So much now more, and, and, and it looks like it went it went back even before the Guptas were a thing uh, in South yeah. Africa. Mm. This this. Mm. Escalated corruption. the numbers, and, and yes, of course, it, it seems like uh, Ace's control of the Free State and everything that happened under him was there from the outset, and this book sort of proves that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But let's just it shows it. you the danger of yeah. uh, having someone being in charge for that for long. That long. So I want to ask you about the politics behind this, though. And Konita, if you want to jump in here as well, any of you guys. You've got now an ANC Secretary General facing massive allegations of state capture, fraud, corruption, or anything under the book, actually. Um, How does a party or a president deal with this? Just because of the amount of power ACE has from the free state and within the ANC now, and the faction that he belongs to as well, where does the ANC or the president start? dealing with this. Do they even deal with it at all? I think the ANC has already showed us uh, how they aim to deal with any allegations of corruption against their leaders with the statement that they released on Sunday. Mm. Uh, Basically rubbishing everything that is contained in the book. I'm I'm not even sure if they've they've read the book. uh, I don't think (laughs) they But you know what I think what we must try to avoid is to look at the statement as a as a voice of a certain faction um, supporting ACE, it's it's a statement from the whole ANC. Because we because keep giving them the benefit yeah, of the doubt. Yeah, we, we keep giving them this leeway that no, it's it's the Zuma faction, it's not the Ramaphosa faction, the Ramaphosa faction. But but what is what is the Ramaphosa faction doing about all of this? You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, to Mamina, we've we've come to know him as the guy who lets. Uh, processes deal with you so maybe he will let the legal yeah, processes deal with <laughs> Tumamina I don't know when or how but 
so you remember last year there was the Hawks the Hawks did raid his office yeah right um, but obviously we know we must just say whenever we talk about <laughs> the criminal justice system that it's 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 lumping up uh, or, or, or legless actually but for me Zimasa is that you we these allegations or these accu- and accusations made against Esma Hashule is not something that is taken from somewhere in the air Tabo Manioni is a rep- is a respected ANC politician. He served in, uh, you know, in in Parliament. He served the ANC in Parliament, and he's saying, "I went, Mahashule took me to the Gupta home, etc., etc." So and they what? Offer, they, they they gave him an envelope. He's saying <laughs> this. He's saying this. <laughs> it's not through third parties. Mm. It's not through any of this. Yeah. And so the thing is, for me. Esma Khashoggi knew that this book was coming out. He could have then disproved the story. Why not disprove it? Mm. Why not say, don't, I mean, if you now you want to go post the fact and take it to court, that will be brilliant for us as journalists. And that's something politicians don't re- don't uh, uh, realize, is that it serves better in our interest to take the story to court. Let it get to but, court, and then you can ventilate the story. But, but history tells us that it serves better for Ace politically to rubbish the story in public and, and then do, and nothing. do nothing about it because Absolutely. because once once there is a politician who is a uh, deemed powerful but who is uh, has some enemies imaginary or real enemies once there is a story about corruption that comes out um, against them, there is always this uproar that you know, white monopoly capital media mm. attacking our leaders. We shall not be deterred, and all that nonsense. Uh, mostly, also from people who haven't even bothered to read the book. Mm. So Ace knows that he has the protection that Zuma also had throughout his ho- whole uh, nine years of shenanigans. So he's just gonna chill. Mm. But that's two peas, two peas in a pod. The two of them, Zuma and 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 Mahashule, they operated the same way. You use political power. To amass wealth, and you use the wealth you amass to um, to to further steal political Co-power. power, and that that is a, a a a sort of symbiotic relationship between money and power with these individuals, and that's why they can a stay in power, have that absolute rule, uh, and 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 then also when you are implicated in serious wrongdoing, um, which possibly may or may not include the death of people, uh, uh, you you then you then rubbish it as as as, as fictitious without even attempting, and that's the thing about Zuma and the State Capture Commission. There's, there's, I, I've counted the other day, there's, he's, he's accused, at, as it stands in the State Capture Commission, of more than 12 actual crimes. Like, if you have to use, you know, the law and you say <laughs> this is a crime, um, yet in his mind, no, no, this is all politics that's happening. Yeah. You know, this is all... And, and so this the same thing with, with Ace Mahashule, and I think it will be very interesting um, uh, to see how the commission deals with it because the people that are going to, and for the lack of a better word, sink him, are people who served alongside him. These are not opposition party members. These are not, you know, sources that are in dubious places. These Tabo Manyone, Kolisi Tukwana, all of these kind of people, these are people who were his allies. Um, coming back to the ANC, uh, what you were saying, uh, and I think it's very important, I saw an ANC member tweeting about after the statement, say, Derek, I think yeah, it was Derek, saying that this thing was never discussed by the ANC, ANC, and whatnot, and whatnot sort of distancing himself from the mm-hmm. statement. But uh, uh, what do you, what action do you take then? If you feel that 
the spokesperson of the ANC has issued a statement that is unsanctioned by the party, or rather the party would rather want to dis- distance themselves from this, then bring a motion or something. Uh, but also, why don't you discuss this matter in the in yeah, the ANC? I mean, say we can't be discussing books. What age are they living in? No, guys, I think it's time for us to move on. Um, let's move on to our election coverage for this week. We're going to be talking about the dire health situation in South Africa. And I think the life is a demeni, um tragedy and disaster that was aside um, as a spotlight on, on, on our health issues in the country. Let's look at a few stats here. Um, between 2002 and 2010, there were 11,700 medical school graduates while the government created only 4,400 posts for these people, that's one aspect of our health crisis, that we do not have enough specialists and doctors in our public sector. Um, secondly, um, currently available statistics show that the public sector, there's just over 16% of facilities complying with norms and standards. So that just shows that the, the state of the infrastructure we have in our health se- uh, sector. And then obviously the big question of the um, NHI, Government's proposing several possibilities on how to raise 375 billion rand needed by 2025 to get the NHI off the ground. And they want to do this by seeking to raise up to 5% of the GDP in additional taxes in order to make this happen. So that's an increased tax burden burden on South Africans, making this a highly debatable topic. Let's look at what the ANC has to say about how they plan to deal with South Africa's health crisis. to healthcare services remains dependent on a person's social and economic circumstances with poor people still struggling to access quality reliable care the introduction of the national health insurance will correct this injustice we will finalize the enabling legislation for the NHI and make sure that everyone has access to quality health care regardless of their ability to pay. Where those who can afford to pay, pay more to assist those who cannot pay. subsidize the old, where the healthy subsidize the sick, where the rich subsidize the poor. This is the solidarity ethos that we want to promote in South Africa. I think getting off on where what Soroma Poza was talking about is that a wealthier population is a healthier population almost. And I think one of the first things when we're talking about the health crisis in South Africa is that we've got to, for me, is we've got to address the chronic unemployment situation so that more people are able to afford better health care. Um, but look, let's look at a few stats here. Um, and, and let's just show why there's a disparity in our, in our country at the moment. So roughly 50% of South Africa's doctors are servicing the 16% of patients who can afford to pay the costs of, of medical care from their own pockets or because they belong to private medical schemes. When it comes to specialist health care, the picture is even more dire. 80% of medical specialists in South Africa are in the private health care sector and only 20% in the public health care sector, servicing 84% of the population. Guys, it's a massive disparity, just as it is in 
on the economic side of things, it, it looks like it's on the same side as health. Apiwe, let's start with you. What do you have to say? Okay. Um, I think the, the ruling party, um, when it comes to health, just like with education, they, they've failed to do enough in, in the space that they have been given. They've not been aggressive enough to either change legislation or introduce measures that are going to ensure that uh, health care it is not a matter of uh, whether you can uh, uh, can pay for it or not. It's not subject to uh, <coughs> private companies whose main uh, objective is to make money. Uh, it can be that uh, I need to have medical aid uh, for me to be able to, to access the best. Um, they failed. Um, NHI, um, from the past uh, uh, Zuma regime was said to be the best thing that's going to happen to um, the poorest of the poor, uh, the middle class, uh, and all those who can't afford. But they spent those uh, is it nine years, <laughs> they wasted those nine years without um, uh, uh, ensuring that NHI uh, sees the light of day. Uh, look, I'm I'm very much skeptical. Uh, maybe if we uh, with with the, their commitment uh, with the implementation of the NHI, uh, they spent this whole time. We th- this is one of uh, this was one of the most stable ministries mm. under the Zuma administration. In that you had one minister mm. who is a qualified uh, professional. So he understood uh, uh, health, but also he had been uh, an MEC of health uh, at in Limpopo. Mm-hmm. So you didn't take a stranger who first needed to uh, 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 to, to, to to know the field, to know how things operate, first politically, but also in a professional setup. So, so he, those nine years passed, and nothing. Uh, tangible when it comes to you know on the ground what NHI he, he went around there were pilot sites and, and, and what not but it seems as if he has not moved Mane. can I ask you a question Apiwet do you in principle agree that South Africa needs universal health care yeah, yeah of, course, of, of course of course of course Sim 100% yeah I'm on board as long as it's done properly right. <laughs> so you do know that that's not a question that's solved in South African society. There's major pockets of South African society, which is mostly the chattering class and, and, and upper middle class that disprove that, that, that disagree with that rather, that they should not be NHI. But are we asking them for permission? Is that no, 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 no. I'm not saying it's permission. I'm saying we live in a robust society. Yeah, no, right? of course, right? of course. So that's number one. Number two is the DA... Okay, NHI solves one problem, and that is you want to give equal quality health care. The only way you can do it is if everyone pays towards mm. one fund and that resources get um, distributed equally, mm. right? Mm. So if pol- like if you take away, and, and, and this is my discussion earlier with Apiwe, is that I, I'm preferring, and I could be wrong, you guys can tear me down, right? I'm preferring to look at these problems, like the, the constrained public health sector, right? Which is just, it's, it's too constrained. There's just too many people, mm. right? Um, the resources issue, the incapacity, the failures. 
I want to look at it away from individuals because I feel like especially in a department like health and the and the and the problems facing health and you, you said about unemployment blah blah mm. blah there's so many factors you you know you're dealing with you're dealing with you know country that's suffering with obesity you're suffering with you know rare disease there, there's there's so many issues there's yeah. the socioeconomic uh, impact on on the healthcare there's the foreigner issue that's all sort of you know affecting the sector so my point is let's not talk about Aaron Motsulevi Let's talk about the real issue, the real problems, and how it can be helped. Because I feel like even if you replace, uh, uh, like Apiwe said, Aaron Mutsuledi was a doctor, was served in Limpopo. Who in this country, even if you take the most celebrated professor of medicine and you put them in this position, there's a failure of a system. That's that's where I'm from. It's it's not about pro- it's not about people anymore. It's too late to be talking about. This one did that wrong. That one, did. people have died as a result of of the consequences of of of, of a bad public health uh, sector. And so my point is now: let's talk about uh, a what's wrong and what can be done, right? But you see, one of the biggest issues that I have with not talking about personalities when it comes to health, mm. it's because health, it's it's tangible things. Um, you want to ensure that. Um, uh, you deal with congestion, right? Mm. So you strengthen your primary health care, right? How do you but do that? But how does the Minister of Health do that? Yeah, how do you do that? Then, as a politician, you understand that, okay, the law allows me to do this, this, and that. So, if you feel as a Minister of Health that as a result of uh, having people uh, uh, moving from this province to that province because uh, that uh, hospital has the best uh, mm. uh, uh, healthcare. If, if, like for instance, Hodeskir uh, in, in in Cape Town, mm. right? Um, if you feel that it's being overcrowded by people from uh, neighboring provinces, you say, uh, look, uh, as a minister, we feel that uh, we are unable to uh, efficiently uh, provide healthcare because of overcrowding. And because of overcrowding, the cause of overcrowding is this. Early problems are not detected early because the clinics are not um, properly staffed. There's no <clears throat> proper um, equipment and so on and so on. So this is a problem I'm picking up as a minister. You tabled to the president. Do something about it. What? What do you do? I think I'm going to, um, let me let me interrupt here because I'm answering Kwanisa's question and I think it, it says a lot about what you were saying Kwanisa about NHI and the other seismic issues we have in our in our in our population. I think for me when you asked me um, do I support NHI and I said it depends if it's done properly. Yeah. I think we need to leave to move away from NHI immediately and start talking about our 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 issues that we face in terms of infrastructure but you can't do um, that because there's no money that. to do that. Yeah, exactly. So we, what for <laughs> me is what I'm saying is that we need to fix everything first, and then afterwards get in. If, if you understand what I'm but saying. But you can't fix it, and, and you see that's the problem. The problem is. So where's if there's no money to do it? Where's all the money? What's been happening to all the money so far okay, wait, that we've been paying access for? Okay, there's a stat that the the Minister of Health, uh, um, Ben, you know, says. Um, uh, th- that some people try to disprove, but I'll say it, and it's up to the listeners to, you know, <laughs> whether they want to believe it or not. That 
in most developed nations, mm. 9% of their GDP gets spent on healthcare yeah. for a healthy population. That's a good ratio. Mm. If you're spending 9% of your GDP, uh, your population ought to be healthy, right? South Africa, we spend 8.7% of our GDP on healthcare. That's a good number for an emerging uh, economy, right? And for a developing nation. Very good. In terms of the figure, it's amazing. But when you break that down, only 8.2% of our GDP, oh, sorry, 4.2% of our GDP is spent on 84% of our population. Whereas, 4.5% is spent on 16% of our us in this mm. room or the you know people who work and have medical aids etc right sure. so can you understand uh, the disparity now uh, people say that 8.5% figure is pub- it's it's our own money but the reality is there is state money there in the sense that a we get tax rebates because of medical aid mm. so that means the state pays mm. b there's a huge public service which the state pays for medical aid. Mm, yeah. so, so, so public money is being used for the public. So it, it is completely disproportionate that, so, so for example, you have, I, I'm, let's use two five rands. You have five rand to service a room full of 16 people and you have five rand to service a room full of 84 people. It makes no sense. Yeah. So, so that is a, the, the, the the real problem that's underlying uh, underlying it. But I don't think this administration or this, and and again, I'm not even talking about personalities because I don't care for personalities. I care for the fact that a we have a deep rooted problem. B our laws is not desi- designed in a way that will allow for clinics to be enabled because why the way the system works. The Minister of Finance gives money to the minister to the to the premier. The premier himself decides where the money gets. The Minister of Health sitting in, in his offices in Pretoria can't decide that okay, sh- you know, shit. In Eastern Cape we have a real big problem with healthcare this financial year. Can we assign more money to to for the first time in democracy? This financial year, Gauteng allocated more to health than it did to education. Mm. So, so, so you you then have that. So it's a structural problem. You have MEC premiers deciding for themselves what you know whether how much of money gets to health. So now you want to have a national solution to a healthcare problem where where the solution now lies in in nine different people's hands. Right. That's the first thing. The second thing is. The people, you know, you, you spoke about doctors, you know, being appointed mm. and, and efficiencies. We have incompetent people in the public health care system because the function of hiring does not lie with the minister. Ministers can, can scream for as loud as they want to. At the end of the day, HODs are appointed by premiers and HODs can appoint whichever doctors they want to appoint or don't want to appoint anyone. You understand? Mm. So these are these are flaws in the law. The second thing is also about about procurement and so, so so my point here is these are all the problems under the zoom administration there's been t- 
talk about, okay, we're getting NHI, we're getting NHI. But it was more of a publicity stunt, and I agree with you on that one, uh, because there was not wider buy-in. The greater part of society that's going to be funding NHI does not want to fund NHI. So you need, and and, and, and that's why Ramaphosa is on this thing about the poor, the, the rich must fund the poor and the healthy must fund, you know, the old. And that kind of, you need to have that popular buy-in because people sitting with executive discovery plans aren't wanting to go and go and get their health care at better Gwanath Hospital. <laughs> That's just the way life works, right? So my, my point, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm blabbing a lot on this, but I'm very, I'm very interested in this NHI issue. Is my point is you can't fix the healthcare system unless you're going to find a way to fund your solutions. The DA's manifesto, the EFS manifesto is not looking at how you're going to fund the solutions. Unless you say, okay, for the next five years, we're not going to do anything more in education. We're focusing all of that budget to health. I'm just using an, an example. But that's so the failures in the system has allowed for these things to, to, to manifest. And Isidemeni is the, the case in point that you the law allowed for Isidemeni to happen. And I, and I, I can even say that mm. when I am saying it publicly. It w- whether Kedani Matlango was there or not there, at the end of the day, the law only allows people to intervene when it's too late. That's why people die in our healthcare system. Mm. But the, so uh, so okay. we don't have an affordability issue. We have a, a allocation of resources issue. No, we do have an affordability issue, but including an allocation. Allocation of affects that because now you, you're not having someone distributing resources competently. You understand? Uh, you, you see, Kanita, um, uh, in, in terms of appointments of personnel, I, I agree to a certain extent in that just because we have a minister now who, the way he speaks, seems competent and could, if they had the power to appoint uh, DGs at provincial level, um, be, you know, a, a good minister there could be someone else who's going to take over from them. What I'm saying is, secondly, he or the current minister, for me, is not campaigning enough publicly or within the party or in parliament uh, to bring about a solution. To this legal loopholes. Exactly. Okay. He's always crying about it. But he's saying he doesn't have he doesn't have the political he never had the political and, and, and this is with the doctor what is his name? Um in Northwest. Remember we did that story. What was it? Doctor The H O D in Health in, in Northwest, Doctor what was his name? Oh um yeah. Okay, anyways. Remember he raised the same issue. If you don't have a political head that's that was saying, Okay, no shame, we see the loopholes in this. It served it served the then administration to say, okay, premiers, do whatever you want to do. So basically we're saying for the past administration, Mzualedi has been frustrated under a system that is not working. A and B, he can... And that's why my point is, everyone says Mzualedi only comes in when, when the crisis happens. The law only allows for him to come in when there's a crisis. So when people say, yeah, he should have preempted the city many... There's no part of the law that allows him. So even if you have a DA government tomorrow, you understand what I'm saying? It's the same system. It's the same. It's the same thing where so much of power is located so bottom of, so low down in the in the ladder. So that allocation of okay, if you want to say 
um, okay, so 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 my point about why that is important is Mosseredi has now failed in it. Can we agree that we and you? <laughs> yeah, of course. Right? I mean, he's failed. I'm, I'm not, I'm but, not but saying he's out- failed, but I'm not happy with his output. Okay, and, and, I, and I get you that. My, my addition to that argument is the system was designed to always make whoever was the minister fail. You understand? I don't know if you maybe think I'm giving him too much benefit of the doubt. I'm saying he's done very little uh, as an ANC leader. Okay, leave him aside. To, 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 to fix. Because my understanding is that as a minister, you get a mandate, right? Right. Uh, if you are unable to implement that mandate because of uh, the laws that are in place. And restrictions. And restrictions. You campaign for them to be changed to suit... Uh, and he didn't do he that. He didn't do that. He or rather, campaign. he failed at doing it. He failed at changing the law, but he did campaign. Right? Okay. Now, my point is, you now have a situation where healthcare is receiving so much of our budget, right? It's constrained. The stats are showing that healthcare is not going to improve. Public healthcare is not going to improve. So now we have, as we all agreed, you need some sort of NHI, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You get me. So my point is, what is the problem now with the Minister of Health saying, listen, I've tried. For nine years, I've tried. I can't do this anymore. President, take this entire NHI, put it in your office, and you make a plan. Don't you think that's a good thing? He should have done it first five years. Okay, he had another boss. <laughs> <laughs> he had another boss. No, well, uh, he was going to to tell him, well, this this is the potential budget of this thing that you were going to, and he must be running it. And I'm sure his boss then is just like, well, uh, now that you are saying, <laughs> <laughs> and then we were going to have an NHI. Oh, that's all I'm saying. No, we wouldn't have that. Let me just pass in here. Let's say we need to move on very quickly. No, we're not done yet. <laughs> no, no, we're going to move on to the EFF and the DA. We're not going to have time to play their snippets unfortunately but let's just talk a little bit about what they promise um, in terms of health so I think Malema in his manifesto launch he was talking quite a lot about the party strive to build one clinic per ward within one kilometer radius of each person's home which is a bit crazy if you ask me it's it's a bit far-fetched um, and if I quote him directly he says we need more doctors one ward one doctor that doctor must conduct routine checks so the EFF has this massive plan or well, not plan I think it's a bit... Um, it's a wish list. It's a, it's a bit of a wish list to say that you're going to have one house, uh, I mean, a clinic in the one in one kilometre vicinity of every single community. And then the DA, on the other hand, um, they say they stand for universal access to health, which is a lot like what we're talking about. Um, and they say the key to this over the next five years is not big policy developments, but making the current regional management model work. And they say that they've been able to achieve this in the Western Cape. Um, so two very different policies here. Yeah, the DA is saying, let's fix what we have in a regional area and, and allocate the funds accordingly. The EFF is saying, we just need to build more things and allocate more resources. What do you guys think? Um, look, the, the only disadvantage with the EFF when it comes to our discussions mm-hmm. that they are the only one who have not been in government so we can't judge them yes. uh, whether or not it would work or they will find a way to find money <laughs> so it's very difficult to to, uh, to debate their policy and compare it uh, to these two parties yes. who are currently ruling parties mm-hmm. but I've lived in the Western Cape for at least four years Yes, uh, and I will tell you uh, that 
their healthcare system is, is one of the better working ones in uh, in, in in the country um there are people who would say going to uh, a hot skill mm. is like you have been in a private hospital but that hospital has been there it predates the d <laughs> 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 but uh, it's not just uh, you're not you're not just talking about that particular hospital you have to look across the province do they have uh, proper do people of the western cape have proper access uh, to basic health care and is it working for them um all i know is that there are very few people who are transported from the western cape to another province mm. uh, for procedures that should be done uh, in that province but then that's 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 because the western cape has always been largely urban they were way developed uh, long before other provinces mm. because for example in in my hometown if you are really, really sick and you need to see a specialist, you are more likely to be sent to KZN and Albert Lutuli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the next best, best thing. The and best thing, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Another, that's another province. Whereas I think if you're sick here in Gauteng, you're not going to be sent to Rotoskiri. You're going to go to yeah, 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 yeah. A, a hospital that is capable here in Gauteng. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, apart from all those logistics and, and this and that, I, I do think something drastic and radical needs to happen to the health system. We, of course, there are, there are, there are people who are more privileged and fortunate than others who can mm. afford, you know, better health. But we can't just fold our arms and say, well, you go there and queue for, queue for four days and, and get one pill, a panado, you know. Mm -hmm. so, but that was my point as well. You, you have to take away the inhumanized healthcare. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, when, when you see sick people, um, this thing makes me so emotional. Because I've, I've lost two family members who had cancer, both in KZN, who both were diagnosed on the fourth stage, mm. you know. Even even getting a diagnosis is a problem in the public health care system. I don't know why, because that should be the m simplest things ever. Mm. I mean, if you have breast cancer, there is a lump, you take it, you, you check the tissue, is it cancerous, is it not cancerous? It's that simple. Mm. But they are failing to even give you a diagnosis and you die. You don't have to die. We're losing a lot of people. So I'm saying... We, we we subsidize, we subsidize, we do whatever needs to be done for people not to die. So so this thing of a doctor patrolling everyone would, mm. <laughs> would, <laughs> would at least help you with the diagnosis, isn't it? Uh? This thing of a doctor... The uh, EFF's wish list of every, a doctor every, 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 everyone would at least you as, assist you with uh, a, a diagnosis. No, man, EFF is crazy. <laughs> but but, but if, if, you, if you have a clinic... Uh, if you have a clinic, why can't you have a doctor stationed there? Guys, can can I give you an example? Mm, in, in in my village, right in Whittlesea, I was born in 1988 in a clinic. There was a sister there at night, a midwife, and I was brought in safe. If you were to go to that clinic right now, you're not even going to find one registered nurse. The registered nurses is, is the one that has white epaulets, three years diploma. You are going to find the ENA, those ones that wear navy and uh, are most likely to be able to give you a 
maybe fix your bed or give you a glass of water. It's the sister has to sit down and serve probably 500 people. So I'm saying there is a problem mm. with our government, with our, with our democratic government, and something drastic needs to happen because it's, it's not working. I don't think that's in denial. I don't think that anybody um, is saying that there's not a problem or that there needs to be a drastic overall even of our healthcare system. But where do we start with this is the question and how do we do it? And it doesn't seem like any of the political parties have a proper idea and a proper plan on how to make it happen. Juanito, At the risk of sounding thoughts? populist is, is probably because, you know, public representatives and politicians don't use public health care. Yeah. Mm. But come oh look yes, uh to a certain extent it's because of that. But a large number of our public reps are not people who were born with medical aids, mm. with what they've been using these before they became mm. uh, MPs, before they became uh, MPLs, before they became mm. councillors. So they know that's the so that's a that's a that's a worse tragedy if you know what yeah they know, you know like a lot is. of them know a lot of them go to rallies and and sing that my mother was a kitchen girl my father was a garden boy and, and, it's, and it's not just a song it's, yeah. the reality. it's really yeah. therefore they know yeah. So if 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 now uh, previously when I go to a clinic I can't be attended to at seven p.m. and because of a bed road I can't go to a hospital at night then I'm sick. Yeah. So yes. if if that clinic was properly functioning, um, I mean I could have been you know Guys, the, the problem could have been dealt with then. But anyway, the last time I went to a clinic, I remember I had a boil in my armpit and I was still at DUT, um, poly clinic next to Eddington. I had no medical aid then. I was there from half past seven in the morning and there were probably about 400 people ahead of me who got there by 3 a.m. I was there until half past four and I was told that uh, we are giving you this number. I think it was 490 something. You come back tomorrow and you're not, we're going to start with, mm. you know, the leftovers of today. And I was asking what the, what the problem is because we've been here the whole day and they said, the MEC doesn't want to hire. There is no money. But then you know what? There is no money. There is nothing yeah. we can do. And yeah. it was just two ladies who were working the the shift at the clinic the whole day. So, I mean... Yeah. So, so, so doctors and nurses are, are overworked they are themselves. They are exhausted. They are overworked. But can I also they are tired and they don't have even the resources sometimes. Yeah. But also the, the other issue is that, you know the thing about a fish rot, rots from the head? Because medical practitioners that work in the public health care system know how constrained it is and how there are people who actively do not do their work to their best or act with the same professionalism that you would in the public in the private sector because they can get away with it because of the big you know the, the the issues and i think that's also another problem but you can't deal with that you can't deal with nurses swearing uh, you know people or uh, yeah. you know or like you know people stealing from from hospitals and all of these scandals that we've seen in the past because you have such a massive problem so you don't know where to start but but um the, the, and, and and that's the thing about the healthcare system. The main issue is the constraint. You 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 fitting too many people in too small of a system, and it's it's heartbreaking because it's it, you interfacing with human beings. And 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 on the receiving end, I don't think there's any one of us in 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 this room who would not have 
been uh, you know subject like you said to public health care or have had family members who were at yeah. the and you see yeah. the brutality of public health care and your heart breaks um, and that's why maybe to my own bias was like we need to stop talking about people let's talk about how to fix this thing I could be wrong I can agree with it I think everyone needs to sit down and well people in charge need to sit down and think about a proper plan on how to fix this but unfortunately guys this is all. T- this is all that we have time for this week. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for joining me in studio. I think we're going to have more great coverage for you next week. We haven't decided on a topic for elections yet. If you guys have any suggestions, just drop us a message yeah, on Twitter actually. as well. If you have any suggestions on what you'd like us to talk about, um, in the meantime, please follow us on Twitter. We'll all hashtag SD Politics Weekly, um, and you can follow our podcast there. We'll be sharing the link to this podcast. Thanks, guys, so much for joining us, and we'll catch you again next week.